Pastor Xavier Reese talks about the hope that can only be found in the Word of God. Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of this prophecy, of this book. The book opens up with the same promise to him who reads, hears, and keeps the words because the time is near. Hearing is great, but hearing brings accountability. God desires for you not only to hear what is in the book of Revelation, but to obey. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Every year, a survey is released of the most desirable cities to live in, but the downside is their number is few and unviable to the majority. Well, there's one city that's perfect in design and available to all who want eternal peace. Let's join Pastor Xavier in the book of Revelation as he reveals the location of this perfect place. The message in title, The Heavenly City, The New Jerusalem. Let's look at the heavenly city, the New Jerusalem, by the threefold description that's recorded for us here from chapter 21, verse 9, all the way to chapter 22, verse 7. Here's the threefold description that he gives us. First, from verse 9 of 21 to verse 21, the particular details of the New Jerusalem are given to us. Then secondly, we'll look at verse 22 to 27, the particular glory of the New Jerusalem. And we'll finish off in chapter 22, verse 1 through 7, the particular perfection of the New Jerusalem. So the details, the glory, and the perfection. Those are three descriptions that are given to us about the New Jerusalem. The particular details of the New Jerusalem. Now the nature of the city is purity. Notice that in verse 10 and the beginning of verse 11. John was carried away in the spirit of the great high mountain and showed him a great city, the holy Jerusalem. And the city descends out of heaven from God. All right? It is not clear, but some believe the city may be suspended over the new earth. And that is possible. But remember we said that some teach that over the millennial. That doesn't happen in the millennial. They confuse it, okay? So the city has the glory of God. It is his city. It is his glory. This is the eternal state. The beauty is one of a kind. If you look at verse 11, her light was like the most precious stone. Her semblance like a jasper stone. Her appearance was clear as crystal. Notice in verse 12 through 14, the number of walls and gates of the city are given to us. There is a great and high wall with 12 gates. There are 12 angels guarding these respective gates. The gates have the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. Verse 15 through 17, you have the measurement of the city and walls. The city is not only flat surface area, as we'll see, but the volume will be occupied. About the size of the moon, if you look at the volume, pretty big. I notice, secondly, we have the particular glory of the New Jerusalem. In verse 22, there's no temple. John says, but I saw no temple in it. The reason is given. For the Lord God Almighty, the Lamb, are its temple. God gave a tabernacle in the Old Testament because we are in a fallen state 
And he gave a place where he would be able to manifest himself to minister to the priests who would himself minister to the people. That was pointing to the ministry of Jesus Christ, as we've seen through the book of Hebrews and many other books. Now, in the millennial kingdom, Jesus reigns as that high priest. Now, in the eternal order, God is the temple himself. There's no need for a temple. Notice in verse 23, there is no sun or moon. The city has no need of the sun or of the moon to shine on it. The reason is given once again, for the glory of God illuminates it. So he's not only the temple, but he is the very light, the very glory. The source of his glory and light is given. The lamb is its light. And the nations, he says, verse 24, of those who are saved shall walk in its light, and kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Now the nations and kings are those of the millennial reign that did not follow Satan's last rebellion at the end of the thousand years. Though Jesus reigns in the millennial kingdom, as you know, with a rod of iron, those living on the earth who have repopulated the earth, having come in from the tribulation and great tribulation, they still have a free will. They still have sin nature. We're reigning with Christ the church, but those who did not take the mark of the beast they enter in, they repopulate, they have kids. Remember Isaiah says that they died 100 years, he died young, okay? Those in the eternal state, this new Jerusalem, are in their glorified bodies. There is no more sin nature. It's done away with. No sin, no death. Two different aspects. Now, since the new Jerusalem appears to be present or descending, it could be that the new Jerusalem is suspended over the new earth and the new heavens so that these nations and kings come and they bring their glory into the heavenly city. The inference is clear. They do not reside in the city, but the new earth that comes down. And so there's a distinction here. Temples are either built to house deities or to give the sense of the presence of a deity. The high priest in the Old Testament would go into the Holy of Holies and God would speak to him and appear between the cherubs. The Shekinah glory would appear there. Exodus 25, Leviticus 16 speaks very clearly about this. Solomon, at the dedication of the temple in 1 Kings 8, said the heavens of heavens cannot contain you. How is this temple going to house you? So we as Christians understand that we gather in a building for God to minister unto us. Not that God lives here. <laughs> Not that a building can house God. Now, when I was raised as a Catholic, I believe God lived in, in the building. You know, that's where, that's where I go meet him. Because I had that understanding that that's where God was. As a Christian, no building can contain him. And yet, the incredible paradox is that he lives inside my body now. <laughs> the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amazing. Notice lastly, verse 1 through 7 of chapter 22, you have the particular perfection of the New Jerusalem. Verse 1, there will be a river of life. John has shown the river of life, pure and crystal, 
free from every admixture and uncleanness. The river has water of life, means Zoe. That's a, a very common name today for girls. It means one who possesses vitality of life. This is its basic understanding. Since this is the eternal state and looks back to the original creation prior to the fall, it is describing the absolute fullness of life belonging to God and imparted to the believer. John says this river proceeds from the throne of God and the Lamb. Remember Ezekiel 47.1, the river in the millennial kingdom comes from the temple. Zechariah 14, 4 through 8, his river in the millennial comes from Jerusalem and heals the Dead Sea, and the other one flows to the Mediterranean. There's going to be a big fishing industry. We saw that. Here in the eternal state, there is no sea. Now, notice in verse 2, not only a river of life, but there will be a tree of life. John saw in the middle of the street and on either side of the river the tree of life. On both sides of the river, the tree of life is in the middle of the street. There's the word Broadway again. Now, if you remember Ezekiel 47, verse 1 through 12, Ezekiel climaxes his vision by describing the river that flows out of the sanctuary to that Mediterranean Sea, to the Dead Sea. The lees bearing fruit for the month for food, the lees for medicine. But this one's distinct from that one. This is the eternal state. John tells us two things about the tree of life there in verse 2 at the end. The tree of life bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. This fruit, without any doubt, is related and connected to the eternal state of the believer's life because there's no sickness there, no more sorrow, no more death. So whatever this means, it means as the benefit for the ongoing eternal aspect. The body of the believer is glorified. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And since, again, it's the eternal state, there can be no disease or death or anything. So along the banks of the river, as we saw in Ezekiel, they will grow all kinds of trees. They're used for food. And the leaves will not wither or fail in fruit. Fruit for every month. The leaves for medicinal purposes. But here in this place, this is the eternal one. The only thing it can be for is the perpetual eternal state and the benefit that comes to the nations, the kings. Those who are all subject to God without the thought or the attempt of rebelling because it does not exist in the eternal state. Wouldn't you love as a parent to never have your child rebel or say but, no, or anything else? We got to wait to the eternal kingdom. <laughs> Verse 3 and 4, there will be only blessings. Only blessings. This is the affirmation of the positive in verse 2, but from the negative. And there shall be no more curse. The curse brought in sin. Sin brought forth death. Death brought forth sorrow. Sorrow brought forth pain. And the author here shows the authority being of God, who will reign supreme. But the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. 
That's the ultimate authority. And a servant shall serve him, those coming out of the thousand-year reign. The fellowship in verse 4 that was intended from the beginning will finally exist. They shall see his face. Moses could not see his face in Exodus 33. God says, you can't see my face and live, but I'm going to go by you, put my hand by your face, remove it, and when I go by, I'll let you see my afterglow. Jesus says the pure in heart shall see God in Matthew 5.8. Hebrews 12.14 says that without holiness, no man shall see God. But we will see him face to face. And his name shall be on their forehead. This is the mark of ownership. We've seen it with the, the subjects of the Antichrist during the tribulation period. We've seen it with the 144,000 Jews that are, belong to God during the tribulation. We see it here with those that are going to be with him in eternity. Ownership. A seal. Even as in old days, they would put a seal when they would send cargo. When it got to the port, they would look. They would send a servant. They would look at the seals. That belongs to my master. You do the same when you travel. You put your name and your address, and so you can pick up your, your bag. It's a mark, a seal. It belongs to you. Look at verse 5. There will be perpetual day. This is the summary statement. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light. This reinforces the eternal state, and they shall reign forever and ever. The witness of faith is that all died in faith not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embracing them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out of, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is, the heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them, Hebrews 11, 13 through 16. Jesus told the disciples, and my father started many abiding places or mansions, whichever one you want to use. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for the where I am there, you may be also. And I will come back to receive you to myself. Perpetual day. Verse 6 and 7, there will be an accountability for all these words. Well, Bottom line, it always comes down to that, doesn't it? We love the blessing. We love the privileges. But to those who much is given is what? Much required. Listen to what he says. Verse 6, the record is God's divine revelation and prophetic, looking to a future fulfillment. Then he said to me, those words are faithful and true. All that read the record can count on all this happening. Whether it makes sense, whether they believe it or not, it doesn't make any difference. It is reliable or it is true, it will take place. It is both genuine and reliable. Notice these things shall shortly, suddenly take place. They will take place. The book opens with the same statement in chapter 1, verse 1. It closes how it ends. They will take place. And in verse 7, the record is to warn and prepare the hearer to believe, listen, and obey. Believe and obey. Behold, I am coming quickly. It means suddenly. This is stated three times in the last chapter. Blessed is he who keeps the words of this prophecy, of this book. 
This is the sixth beatitude of the book of Revelation. The book opens up with the same promise to him who reads, hears, and keeps the words because the time is near. Chapter 1, verse 3. God desires for you not only to hear what is in the book of Revelation, but to obey. Hearing is great, but hearing brings accountability. You as well as myself. You know, there's only one way for us to respond to all the things that have been described regarding the eternal kingdom. And I think Paul nails it in Romans chapter 11, verse 33 and 36. Listen how we can respond. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has become his counselor? Or who has first given to him and it shall be repaid to him? For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. That's the only way you can respond to all of this. What else can you say? (laughs) The river in Genesis went out from Eden into four heads. One of them skirted the whole land of Hevala, where there is gold, it says. And the goal of that land was good. Bedlam, onyx stones were there. Genesis 2, 10, and 12. How interesting that the Genesis account before the fall mentions gold, precious stones like the eternal state in the new Jerusalem coming full circle. God from the beginning wanted to give everything to man. Always. Some interesting observations about the tree of life. In Genesis 2.9, the tree of life also was in the midst of the garden, as you know, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And God spoke to Adam very clearly what He had to do. He had choices. He either had to obey or disobey God. Which means that eternal life was available from the beginning. Right? But Adam blew it. From the very beginning, the misery that man brought upon himself, he brought upon himself. He cannot blame God. Most of the misery that you and I have brought on our lives is us, not God. People are always blaming God. Some young lady gets pregnant. Oh, God, why would you let this? Well, you don't believe in God. God didn't put you in bed. You put yourself there. We make our choices. Then we want to hang God. We walk with God. We start messing around, not obeying, think we can compromise. Consequences come to our life, and we try to blame God. No, no, no. You haven't been faithful to God. You've been playing games with God. You bring consequence on your life. God in his mercy put a cherub to guard the tree of life in Genesis 3.24 lest Adam would sneak back in and partake in a fallen state and live like that eternally. And when the tree of life was available now in Jesus Christ, now every person has the same choice as Adam. You get to choose whether you want to go to heaven or hell. You get to choose whether you partake of the tree of life of good and evil or not. The tree of life will be in the middle of the street on either side of the river in the New Jerusalem. Full circle. 
I think Paul the Apostle understood this in a way that we don't understand. Having looked at all these stages of the millennial kingdom and the eternal state, I think you'll understand a lot better. I don't think you understood this verse before as you will right now when I read it. Listen to Paul as he writes to the Corinthians about resurrection and the eternal order. It's going to come alive to you right now. Listen. Paul the Apostle says in 1 Corinthians 15, 24 to 28, then comes the end after the resurrection is talking about. When he delivers the kingdom of God to the Father, he's speaking of Christ. When he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet, speaking about Christ, okay, the millennial kingdom. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. That's after the white throne judgment. For he has put all things under his feet, but when he says all things are put under him, it is evident that he who puts all things under him is accepted. Now, when all things are made subject to him, meaning the Father, then the Son himself will be also be subject to him, the Father, who put all things under him, that God may be all in all. In other words, Paul the Apostle takes us from the resurrection all the way to the eternal state in those verses, understanding the distinction between them. And God the Father and the Son will be in a whole different relationship than we understand now. Because the Trinity, the way it's manifested to us and described, is for the purpose of redemption. We will be redeemed then. And even the Son will be subject to the Father in a way that we don't understand now. And God will be all in all. So there's things that we don't know that when we get there, we're going to blow our minds. But Paul understood this very, very clearly. The benefit of the book of Revelation is by believing it and, listen, obeying it. Obeying it. Peter says that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. It includes the time period extended all the way to the new heaven and the new earth. So in one sweep of the hand, Peter takes us. Most people misunderstand Second uh, Peter 3, 10 through 13. They think that that happens when the Lord comes back before he says with the kingdom. No, the earth is destroyed at the end of the thousand years, but he takes us all the way through it. Listen to him once again. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening for the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat? Nevertheless, we... According to his promise, look for a new heaven, a new earth in which righteousness dwells. He takes us from the tribulation period that begins all the way to the eternal kingdom. In that statement, amazing, it will take place. And so this is the heavenly city, the new Jerusalem, that will exist in the eternal order. And it has been described to us by the particular details of the new Jerusalem the particular glory of the New Jerusalem, and the particular perfection of the New Jerusalem. God is perfect. God is a God who reveals to His servants things before He does them. And so we should not be ignorant of any of these things. I'm not responsible for what God hasn't revealed, but I am responsible from Genesis 
the revelation as a Christian. God will hold me responsible for his word. And so this book should keep us busy for life. <laughs> There's a lot in there. Pastor Xavier Reese talks about our responsibility when it comes to the Word of God. Now, you can request a copy of today's study from the book of Revelation called The Heavenly City, The New Jerusalem. It's available for just $4 on CD. And this also contains what we heard from Pastor Xavier the last time we were together. So the title to ask for once again is The Heavenly City, The New Jerusalem. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make a request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you contact us. Well, be sure to tune in next time as Pastor Xavier Reese brings us the Beatitudes of Revelation. That's right here on the next edition of Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 